morning and, uh, and welcome to all of our visitors. I noticed there's a couple of faces out there I don't recognise, that's cool. Um, I'll come and have a cup of coffee with you later. Uh, it's my great privilege today to introduce our new teaching series. So recently we've just been through Romans, uh, before that we went through Acts, now we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to hit this from three different angles, we're not going to take long. We're going to talk about the author, we're going to talk about the recipients, and we're going to talk about the book itself. So just to open it up, and I'm going to like literally just use scripture today, very little uh, kind of explanation. So I'm just going to read reams of the Bible to you, and it all fits together beautifully. And we're going to go away feeling blessed and well and truly prepared for our study on Ephesians. Um, that being said, I think it'd be really helpful. We're going to do this for the next few months up until the end of August. If you guys could familiarise yourself with the book of Ephesians, I think that will bless you throughout the teaching series. It's six books. It's essentially broken down three and three. The first bit is doctrinal, the second bit is lifestyle. Um, but it won't take you very long to read at all. But if the more familiar you are with it, the more blessed you're going to be by it. Uh, so Ephesians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you're going to talk about the author, there he is. We know Paul, we remember Paul from our series on Acts, don't we? When that, that bloke Saul, the persecutor, the murderer, the, the killer of Christians, was walking along the road and Jesus appeared to him. The ascended Jesus from heaven met him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was blinded. We know the guy. I'm going to come to that a little later. We know that Paul was not a self-appointed apostle. I came into contact once with somebody who self-appointed themselves. And I think pride is the opposite to humility. And that was a word that was brought this morning, right? But somebody who says to themselves and to others, I am an apostle. I am a planter of churches and a leader of church leaders. It's pretty sad, really, because... Ideally, you'd want to be lifted up by those around you, acknowledging your gifting. And that happened to Paul, and it happened to Barnabas. It happened in Acts 13, so I'm going to read this to you. It said, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menean, and Saul. We know him as Paul. One day, as these men were worshipping worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now you may remember, we do the same when it comes to eldership and leadership within the church, that first of all, somebody else will identify the gifting within them. It happened to me in rugby before I came here. I actually went to my church leaders up in rugby and said, you're never going never gonna to guess this, but I think this is what God's calling me to do. And Alan, who you all know, and Andrew, his son, Ewan, came to visit us a few months ago, all laughed, all independently of one another, and said, yeah, yeah, we know. We were waiting for you to confirm it. So we were in agreement. So they laid hands on me and sent me down here. When I was received here, what did you do? You met with me a few times, <laughs> argued, kicked and screamed. Uh, <laughs> you've repented ever since. But no, um, the reality is that I came to meet with the elders and wives. We met several times. I came to the church a couple of times. And then I was received in. You acknowledged the gift. 
and you laid hands on me. And I'm sure I can rewind the clock millennia, and it was Keith before me, and it was Tim before Tim, uh, before Keith. It was Brian back in the 1870s, 1888. And I'm sure Brian confirmed it for me. Did it happen then too? Did we lay on hand? We identified a gifting and the hands were laid on. Amen. So you see in a pattern here, God spoke, those around him, good men and women, identified the gifting, they laid on hands and they sent them. This is the, the writer of this book. Okay? Here's a guy met by the ascended Jesus. So he's had his conviction. He knows what Jesus wants him to do. We then know he goes and spends some time. I could read that to you. It's in Acts 9. Let's do it. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out, this is before this, remember, Acts 9, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues to Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what they called Christianity back then, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared to Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The witnesses, the men traveling with Saul, stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone else. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. They led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place your hands to restore his sight. Humility, Chrissy brought turning, and now we see healing. I believe the Lord is speaking to us as a church about this. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with an authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm going to pause there slightly. It's reminiscent of a story we told a few weeks ago. 
about when Jesus was raised out of the tomb. Do you remember? It's one of the things that Christians call evidence for the resurrection. That you had the disciples, the twelve and the multitude, who were completely distraught. But because they met Jesus in the flesh, their demeanour changed immediately and they became joyful. You cannot look back on hundreds of people and go, one minute they were distraught and lost, and the next minute they were joyful and claim something didn't happen in the middle. I mean, mass hysteria, maybe they all got together and had a meeting and said, well, let's face it together. But come on, under torture and pain of death, don't you think one of them may have given in? But they didn't because they were so convicted by what they had seen to be true. This was the Son of God coming to life. Here's a guy who was a murderer and persecutor of Christians. <laughs> if I met a murderer and persecutor of Christians, especially those who preached the word when I was in Africa or India or any other in Mongolia, I think I'd be pretty petrified. I think I'm pretty petrified in this country as well. The persecution is different in this country. I'm probably not going to get hung on a cross in England, but I could get sent to prison. I could get fired from my national rugby team in Australia for saying something about the gospel. I'm not going to get into the politics of what he said or how he presented it. But here's a guy who stood up for his faith and was persecuted for it in a Western culture. This man's life was so transformed that all of those around him stopped fearing him, welcomed them into their little gang, laid hands on him later and sent him out as, a, as an apostle. This was life transformation. Remember, all of this, we ain't even into Ephesians yet. This is just about the author. What an amazing author. I want to hear what this guy's got to say. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy amongst the Jews to kill him. He's turned against them. I don't blame them. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him too, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas, my favourite character in the Bible, took him and brought him to the apostles. He put his neck on the line. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Why? J.R. Tolkien, eat your heart out. What an author. What a backstory. I want to now know what this guy's got to say. Well, luckily we are one of the recipients. When you study the Bible, people will tell you first you have to read it through the context that it was first for them and then for you. So it's still for us, but we have to read it for them first. So there may be things in the Bible that are, are in context to the culture, the year, the day that they were born. We talk about food sometimes. They talk about food that we would never dream of eating. Um, I, I joke about John the Baptists. I don't think I've ever eaten a locust. I've eaten a crocodile and I've eaten a zebra, but I've never eaten a locust in my life. But we're the recipients first, the Ephesians. We know that we're the later recipients. 
Well, actually, here's an eye-opener. It is widely believed that the Ephesians were some of the recipients of this letter. Imagine, if you will, I send each of you, <laughs> like we did yesterday, but probably without the mistakes, okay? I send each of you an email telling you something about the church. Well, there's some really clever coding in our website that enables me to, to write a draft, put a little bit of coding in, and it will automatically add your name at the top. Even though it's the same letter, it has a different recipient at the top. Many of these transcripts, so when, we, when they put the Bible together, they didn't just, there wasn't just one copy, there was multiple. And there were multiple copies that didn't have that first bit at the front. The little bit that said, to God's holy people in Ephesus. Most of them just said the rest. It said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be with you from God our Father and Lord Jesus. So why did we choose this one? Because maybe it matches all the other books that had names. Corinthians, Galatians, I don't know. Does it make it any less valid? Not at all. If anything, for me, the fact that knowing the Ephesians were only one recipient of it helps me to contextualise the contents. In many other books, Romans, we've just finished Romans, let's pick that one. We know that Paul was writing to people in Rome. And therefore, we might draw some conclusion that many of the things said in the book of Romans were actually directed to the people in Rome. If you'd uncovered a letter to my mum, okay, I always use my mum in my examples, and I started to write to her about certain behaviours and things that were going on in Bristol, you would be right to assume that maybe I was just writing to my mum. But I may not say that to somebody else in this room, it would be specific to her. Well, if Ephesians is actually a circular letter that was intended for multiple recipients in multiple cities, it meant one of two things. Either it was just good, sound, solid doctrine that could be applied anywhere, or, massively coincidentally, all of the recipients were actually suffering from all of the same problems, in which case, does it matter which one of those it is? Because the chances are we're going to be suffering some of those things too. We're going to still call it Ephesians, because it's been called Ephesians for a couple of thousand years. But I just wanted you to know that this wasn't a letter written specifically to Ephesus. Ephesus is a beautiful country if you ever go to Turkey on your holidays. There's lots to do there. It's a leveled city now, but it's a beautiful place. The recipients are to the Ephesians, but they are also to others, and they are also to us. So the book... This is just by way of introduction. I'm not actually going to teach you anything about Ephesians today. That starts the week after next. But the book itself, I've already said this, I'll say it again because I really want to hammer it home. Be careful not to contextualise things away based on circumstance or maybe Paul was just writing to address a certain problem that only they had. No, it's my belief that this was sound wisdom to all who received it. We've pulled out 13... Uh, sermons, 13 Sundays from this. I'm going to read you the titles. I'm going to leave it up to each of those preachers to unpack that further. Um, so in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the unity in Christ. We're going to have a reminder about spiritual blessings in Christ. We're chosen by Him, after all, at the very beginning of time. We're going to talk about the Trinity. 
one or two people have spoken to me about the Trinity recently, so I'm really looking forward to unpacking that with you guys. The week after, we're going to think about Christ as the head of his church, above all other power and authority. We're also going to consider the church as his body. The church is described as two things in the Bible. One is the bride of Christ, and one is the body of Christ. That week we're going to focus on the body of Christ. But we are going to look at Christ as the head. We're going to look at sin and being dead in our transgressions. That's going to be a nice light airy one, isn't it? I can't remember who got that one. But it's going to be good fun because it's very much a part of our life and our world that we live in. We're going to look at the new body in a new family. The promise that we actually have in Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. And how the church should show the wisdom of God. The following week, we're going to talk about how wide and how deep the love of Jesus is. That could be a good one to bring your non-Christian friends to. We're going to talk about the unity in the body. And I'm sure whoever preaches on that will open that up to you. But it doesn't mean this body. It means this body. The body of Christ, remember? So we're going to talk about unity in the church in the body and unity in the spirit we're going to talk about the fivefold ministry apostles prophets pastors teachers evangelists if you think back to the way i described the book of ephesians it's why our church puts such great emphasis on the book of ephesians because we know that it was good wisdom so we would describe ourselves as a fivefold ministry church. So we do believe in the apostolic. We have an apostle. We do believe in the prophetic. We do believe that we are pastors, teachers, and evangelists amongst us. Most churches do, but we put a really special emphasis on that. We're going to talk about maturity in the faith and putting off your old self. It's that age-old conundrum, isn't it? If we're just saved by grace alone, why do we find that Christians change during their walk? Well. That's called putting off your old self. You're going to become new. We're going to talk about how we can be imitators of God. We're going to get into some of the most widely discussed verses in the Bible. We're going to talk about wives and husbands. We're going to talk about children and parents. <clears throat> We're going to talk about slaves. Who would have thought that in 2019? And masters. And finally, we're going to talk about the armour of God. I had a, a final point, and we are going to finish early today, because I wanted this to be a real light taste for us, just to get our heads around what Ephesians was, why we were going to do it, and what we were going to learn. But I want to go just back to that very initial part of Ephesians 1. 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. The word apostle can mean sent one. It can mean chosen. It can mean teacher. Be bringer of a message. It's not a job title. It doesn't mean it's the pastor's boss. It's a role. They see a little like a prophet. They see future vision. But it's their responsibility to come. So an apostle is always sent. By definition, apostles should always be received. By Christ Jesus. So we know he's sent. We know he's sent by Jesus. To God's holy people. Yes, in this copy, into Ephesus. But also to us. The faithful in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 2 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I took an extract on this because <clears throat> I think in all my time here I've never quoted Greek and Hebrew, but I'm going to this time. 
Because how many times in how many of Paul's letters do we read that greeting? And a bit like you do when you get to the genealogies, I get you kind of rush through them. You go, yeah, yeah, Paul's writing a letter again. We know what he's writing. Well, actually, it's far more intricate than that, and it's far more important than that. 2,000 years ago, no one would have said that. They would have said grace to you. Or they would have said peace to you. They would never have said both. Why? It says Paul took the typical greeting of the Gentiles, so the Greeks, and he combined it with the typical greeting of the Jewish people. When Gentiles would meet each other in public, they would say, Char, C-H-A-R-E, for those who were taking notes meaning rejoice. Jewish people would greet each other with shalom, meaning peace. Paul put his own twist on the Greek by changing char to charis, but that meant grace. Rejoice, grace, they are quite similar. It's important to understand that when Paul, the Jewish man who was converted to Christianity and somewhere in the middle was a murderer and persecutor of Christians, was writing this letter to Jews and to Gentiles. We have talked a lot in this church about unity in the last 18 months. Unity in this body, unity across the world, unity across even our own church network, unity in our families, unity in our relationships. I wanted to draw that word unity out again at the very beginning of Ephesians. Paul was writing to Jews and to Gentiles. He was writing to us. (coughs) Have a great week, everyone.